Evening, brother. <laughs> Let's sing Amazing Grace for our uh, opening prayer. Oh. join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be able to be here tonight, getting the chance to pray to you and sing together as a congregation to be able to hear your word spoke. Lord, we're just thankful for all the many blessings you've given us. And Lord, we are very thankful for that amazing grace that you've given us. I really like how the songwriter wrote to there that how precious that was to us as we first believed. Lord, we're just, can't just hardly even tell you how appreciative and grateful we are for that love that was extended to us through the grace through thy son Jesus. And Lord, we pray that that gratefulness that we each and every one of us has, we pray that it would all flower into a beautiful, beautiful love for you and for others that have also been saved by that grace. Lord, we need that grace every day. Sometimes we just mess up and have weak moments and just do things that, that we know that Jesus' blood can still cover, cover us for, and we're thankful for that continuity that's there in the, in the blood of thy son. Lord, we wanna pray for this congregation here. Help us grow strong. Lord, we pray for not only our numbers, but we also pray for each and every soul here that, that, it'll be, that it will grow to be more and more like thy son. Help us understand where the brokenness in our lives, things sometimes that are really, really deep that are sometimes even hard to realize that are there. But help us discuss those things with you in prayer. Help us take those things to you and 
Help us conquer them through, through thy spirit and allow us to be transformed again like thy son. Lord, we're thankful for the men and women who serve here in various capacities. We definitely pray for our elders and Lord that you'll be with them and help them see the things that need to be addressed here. Guide them, give them wisdom and uh, help them be strong and help them be biblically based in the things that they have to, to administer. Lord, we pray for the deacons and the tasks that they undertake. We pray that they'll be bold servants, Lord, and, and, and just be so glad to, to always serve you. And as each of every one of us, Lord, we know that you want us to be ministers. You want us to be servants. And so help us, Lord, to, to become the kind of servants that you want us to be. Help us be able to have our eyes open to others and the needs that are there. Help us be able to, to naturally just go and desire to, to meet those needs and to do the things in their lives that bring you into it. Lord, we're, we do have many sick and, and many people that are dealing with different kinds of illnesses and, and problems in their life. And Lord, we just lift their names up to you at this time. I guess foremost on my mind is, has been Betty Larner. Maybe it's because my own wife went through a very similar kind of ordeal. But we just pray that, that the treatment that she will get, the procedures she goes through, will eliminate that cancer from her body permanently and forever. Um, Lord, we want to pray for Matt tonight. He's got some things to, to say, and we pray that that, Lord, you will help him and say the things that, that you once said. We pray that the things we hear can touch our hearts and be able to allow us to be better Christians in this world. Ephesians has so many, many good lessons for us. We're thankful for thy Apostle Paul that he's given us that. Again, we're thankful for Jesus and the many things that he's done for us. We're thankful that, that he oversees the church and his Lord's over that himself. And help us always remember that. And we're so thankful again for his blood that saves us and allows for our forgiveness. For it's in his gracious name we pray. Amen. Let's sing our sacred head to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper.
At this time, I'd like you to put your minds and your hearts on Jesus. You know, when I think about what's going on today, especially uh, in Ukraine and Syria and Ethiopia, and I look at the, the number of civilians that are, are killed, you know, and you, you, you get a hopeless feeling. What is going on? Why is this happening? But when you go back, you go back and you see the love of God. And what I mean seeing the love of God is thinking, remembering about what Jesus did to give us an opportunity to be saved from this perverse generation. God loved us. Even before the beginning of time, he prepared the way for his people. And we need to remember that. And our conversation needs to be about the good news the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our heart and minds, and don't, that's, that, that good news, you, you just can't keep it to yourself. You have to share it. And, and that's what I wanna convey to my brothers and sisters, convey to the church. It's not an inside job. This news is so good, God wants us to share it with the world. And that's why we're here. We're here not only to remember Jesus Christ, not only to remember God's love, but also to take it outside and do what we can do. We might come up here He's trying to persuade us to live for Jesus. That's our orders for the world. We're out to persuade the world that there is a better way, and it's the only way to have that relationship with God. Please pray with me as we partake of the bread the body of Christ. Father, we thank you for the love you've shown to us, Father. Father, you know, you made it so clear through your holy word what we need to do, Father. Father, you made it so clear in your holy word while we're in this safe house now. It's because of Jesus, your son, and thank you for him. As we partake of the bread to represent his body, Father, we pray that you bless it. Praise the Spirit in the name of his, in his name, amen. Let's go to our Heavenly Father to bless the fruit of, of the vine, which represents his blood.
Father, you have given us grace and mercy. Your grace is like a waterfall that's, that's going on and on and on. We can't get enough of it, Father. Father, we pray that we, only, we, 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 we remember how Jesus loved and we remember his lessons on forgiveness. It goes hand in hand to love and forgive. Father, that's what makes us spiritually healthy. And Father, we remember who Jesus talked to. He talked to the common man, the fisherman, the tax collector, the ones that the, the elite in, the, in, the, in his day, uh, they didn't want nobody to talk to them. They were, they were considered the lost, the uh, uneducated. But that blood is for everybody. It saves everybody, it heals everybody, and we thank you for that. Father, we pray that you bless the fruit of vine and represent that, 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 that living water. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We pray this prayer in his name. Amen. You know, at this time, we, we, uh, we come together and we collect from the saints in order to provide, take care of the infrastructure of this, this facility, also to help others. And uh, one of the things that as an outreach uh, we do is uh, the food pantry. And not only are we taking the month of May to pack the pulpit, uh, but, you know, we also give out food that is needed by many in this community, and that's what we're commissioned to do. Jesus did it. He fed people. And you know what? Uh, a lot of people get caught up in the results, but we shouldn't get caught up in the results. We're, we're providing a need for the community. We're providing for people who, who needs that opportunity. And that might be the only door that they can see Jesus. So, you know, let's, let's, let's have a, a good attitude and give God the glory and let him cause the increase. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to give to the church, and Father, keep the church going. Father, we pray that we also have an open, open mind and open heart when it comes to reaching out to the lost, Father. That's our purpose in any way we can to let them know about your son. Father, we thank you for him. We pray his prayer in his name. Amen. I love
The boxes fall down two times in a row. It's no coincidence. All right, we're back in Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 5 tonight. If you got your Bibles and you want to follow along, we're, we have made the commitment that we're not going out of the book at all, and we're just going to go through the verses one by one and stop where we want to and talk about them, okay? So, tonight Ephesians 5's got some bombs, and then we're going to have a good time with it tonight, okay? So, um, don't kill the messenger. Don't kill the messenger, Okay? Um, but I want, you to, I want you to think of this entire chapter, before we get too deep into it, I want you to think of this entire chapter going really with the whole theme of Ephesians. And really, everything Paul is saying is that everything that you do, everything in your life, everything that is of God is surrounded in love, right? That's what Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and 4 have mainly been talking about. It is the gospel of love. And he's going to continue on that in a, uh, in a very specific way tonight. Um, so I want you to think about that as we start to go through these scriptures. As you can see right here in verse 2, it, it's already bringing up the word love, right? Okay, so Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The imitators of God is where we're going to start. It's also where we're going to finish. All right. This is what he's saying. Be like God. Okay. At the same time, he is saying, he is reminding you that it was because of love that Christ died for you. And it was because of the love that God has for each one of us that Christ's sacrifice was pleasing to God himself. Right. His son's being sacrificed was actually pleasing to God because of the love that Christ has for us, okay? So, he gets into some, uh, some verses that could be a little tough for the world, can be a little tough for each one of us in our own temptation, in our own struggle, in our own course of life. Verse 3, it says, but sexually, sexual immorality and all impurity of covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may, may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You see, the idea of sexual sin is not a new temptation. This is probably, in my opinion, one of the big te biggest temptations of mankind. It's a struggle that you find from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible. Humankind today, we fast forward 2,000 years from the last piece of uh, paper that was written in the Bible. Do we still struggle with this? Of course we do. It could even be a bigger problem now than it was 20, 30 years ago. Why do I say that? Well, I'm going to say this now because we're going to get into this aspect of life. You know, there's a lot of people opting out of the whole family <laughs> dynamics. There's a lot of people that are in their 30s and 40s right now that are not planning on getting married, that are not planning on settling down and 
having a family. Has that been an issue before? Sure, it's been an issue before. Is it a bigger issue now? Yeah, it is. Because people aren't seeing the importance of family. People aren't seeing the importance of having a good husband. People aren't seeing the importance of having a good wife. And in fact, many people in this world just aren't being good husbands and good wives. So he says this, I I want you to see this real carefully before we go forward because you have to see, at least for me, I have to see the chain of what's going on here. He tells you to be people of love. And then he goes through what it looks like to be people of lust. And I am telling you that the world struggles. We, as human beings, struggle to define love. We struggle to separate the, the idea of love from the idea of lust, okay? And he's going to go into this a lot deeper as we go. So I really want to use this moment to set that up. Be thinking about that. There is a whole lot that, the, that this world throws at you that is contrary to what God has taught you. About sex, about love, about marriage. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to bring up any specific things or any specific names. But there's a lot of famous people out there right now that are admitting they're in. Open relationships. Open relationships. What's an open relationship? It's when you and your partner agree to have multiple partners, but you're going to be consistent with each other, but you're going to have multiple partners. That's a common type of marriage these days. Then there are lots of people out there right now who will say, you know what, we're not going to get married. You know why? Because of tax laws, because of the government, because of the way the government's set up, it's actually harder for us to be married than it is for us not to be married. And these are real struggles that people deal with every day on top of the fact that you have all of the outlets of temptation through the internet, through social media, through websites. Again, I'm not going to name them all. We could if we wanted to. If you don't know about them, better you don't. So why name them? And this is where we're going. This is what Ephesians chapter 5 is really about. Don't miss where we're going. Because we're going to get to a hot spot in the Bible for our modern day culture. That I believe the world has perverted, has twisted, has has reshaped in people's minds to where it's much harder to understand, much harder to take than it really ever was intended to be. So remember what he's talking about before we go further, right? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, you, you were darkness. But now you are the light of the Lord, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern 
what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, there are two different ways to discern, right? The first way that we discern is we take God at his word. I talk about this all the time, and I compare my wife in, in our young life, right? I compare my wife to myself. You've, you've probably heard me say this before, but it's a really important thing to, to talk about when you're getting into this idea of discerning because the bottom part really starts to help explain the top part. So you have people out there who can look at the word of God and without ever having to go through anything, understand the truth of God's word, trust God's word, take God at his word, and live God's word out. You have people that are like that. It's amazing. My wife is like that. She drives me nuts in a good way. Because she doesn't have to know the why. She said, I, I figured out the why on this or that, so why go for the why on everything? You know what? That's actually wisdom. That's brilliant. That's, that's intelligent. That saved her from so much drama. It saved me from so much drama, from so much failure. But you know, we all got things we got to go through. We all have things where we've believed a lie. You know how we know when we believe the lie, when we do that thing that the, the Bible says don't do, and we get done with it, and how do you feel? You feel empty. See that word up there? It wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't what the world promised you it was going to be. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. But you don't know it, some of us, right, until we've done it, until we've walked through it. So don't be deceived by the empty words of the world. And let me tell you something. I'm going to say something that's really going to make me an outcast really fast. But social media, there's never been a system designed with more empty words in all of human existence than social media. You can say whatever you want. You can have 28 different accounts. You can be a different person every day if that's what you want to be. And there is no consequences. What's the worst thing somebody can do to you on social media? Shut you down, build another one tomorrow. Right? You see it in these teens' lives more than you would in your pro and probably in your adult lives. I know I see it more in the youth room than I do in my own life. One, because I'm not a part of social media. I don't like social media. Like I said, I'm being outcast real quick. Because for me, it's more trouble than it's worth. It teaches us to have fake relationship. One, I mean, I'm, I'm, I better get off my soapbox. But it's full of empty words. It's full of deceit. And the kids are buying the lies. They see the, the girl that does the five-second video to the trending song in the really cute outfit, shaking her body as hard as she can. And she, they watch them get a million views, and you know what they think? I can do that. I can do that. Right? 
And next thing you know, it's, the, it, it, it's more important to be beautiful physically than it is to be beautiful in reality, beautiful, a beautiful person. And we all know the story. I don't have to spell it out for you. But it's a lie that's been fooling people over and over and over in life from generation to generation to generation. If I just reach this pinnacle, I can be satisfied. Listen, there is nothing on this earth in life that's going to be satisfied, satisfying to you, that's truly going to be fulfilling to you. I can say this with assured confidence, <coughs> excuse me, that there is nothing in this life that's going to fulfill you unless it's surrounded in the truth of God's word. He's already told you what's going to fulfill you. He created you to be fulfilled by the truth. So we got to be able to discern the lies and the empty words and the deceitful schemes of the world. What's the big one he's talking about? He's talking about love and lust. It says, for one time you were in darkness. You were darkness. You know, when we see that word darkness, a lot of times we think of sin. And I'm not saying it's not sin, but you know what else it is? It's the futility of your own mind. It's the ignorance of your former passions. That's what darkness is. And you know what the other truth is? Some of you, just like me, you, got into, you were born in church. You don't remember what it was like not to go to church. In fact, you just never did not go to church. You know, my family... We went to church every Sunday, and I can't remember a single time where we missed on a Sunday. And since I was 16 years old, I drove myself to church every single Sunday, and I can't remember outside of vacation a single time I've missed a Sunday. But even, at the, even with that type of life, at times... You start to question. You start to wonder. You start to, to, to believe these empty words, to believe these lies. It, it, and at times you might even make a mistake that leaves you feeling really empty and hollow. Be people who discern it. Right? See it before you get there. See it before you get there. And if you get there and you fail, remember it. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. So he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. They're unfruitful. Why are they unfruitful? Because they're not fulfilling. There's nothing that comes from them. But instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. 
You know, this is a part of Scripture that I don't think uh, we talk about that often. Because as Christians, we know we're supposed to be compassionate, right? We're supposed to be forgiving. We're supposed to be merciful. We're supposed to be gracious. And man, I totally believe in that. But there are works of darkness. And they weren't just written about in ancient times because that's the only time they ever happened. There are works of darkness in our world today. And I don't think we're supposed to be a bunch of crusaders, but at the same time, I don't think we're just supposed to lay down and let the world become whatever it wants to become without us at least speaking up for the Lord. Like I said before, once you really start to explain, understand and go deep, deep into what Scripture is exposing about humankind from the beginning to the end, there is darkness. Stuff I hope you never see. Stuff I hope I never see. Stuff I hope we're never in the wrong place and experience. There are terrible things that happen. When I was, um, this is, this, listen, this is the softest analogy you're ever going to get, okay? But when I was 10 years old, I had a, a neighbor. And we were, really, we were really close. We grew up together. She was the only child. She was like 13, so she was three, you know, she was three, four years, depending on the right time of the year, older than me. But her and her friends, they, they took me in. We, you know, it, it was in, in my childhood, if you had a friend that had a pool and you lived beside them, then that pool was practically yours too. So anytime she was in the pool, we would jump in the pool too, right? And we would hang out. We'd have a good time. On her uh, 13th or 14th birthday, I can't remember exactly which one, she invited me to the party. She had never invited me to a party before. And, and my parents, they really had reservations about me going to the party, but they said, she's next door. I know they're, you know, we know... Parents know each other's parents, blah, blah, blah. This is so silly. But I went into the party, and everything was going great. And then next thing I know, <laughs> we go into this room, and there's like this little, it's a sheet, but it's meant to be a curtain, right? It's a sheet. And we all sit down on the ground, and I'm thinking, all right, cool, magic, clown, what's it going to be, right? And out popped a belly dancer. And I was 10 years old. And she was not dressed um, very modestly. And she started dancing. And I can tell, listen, maybe it's my innocence, maybe it was my purity, I don't know what it was, but at one point during that show, I was so disgusted, I felt like I was in such an evil situation that I literally got up, sitting in the front row, and ran home. And I didn't go back to their house for weeks. 
Now, I'm not going to say a belly dancer is evil. <laughs> but I am going to say that my purity at that time wasn't comfortable with a woman shaking the way she was, dressed the way she was. I can tell you today, as a 40-year-old man, that probably would not send me running out of a room. Is there something wrong with me? Because that's the truth. You know, the, the, the more we're in the world, the more we're exposed to the world, the more that we've experienced the world, the less things bother us. The less scary things become. Right? Some of that's my own immaturity at the time versus my maturity now. Some of that's also that I'm more experienced now than I was then. And maybe I'm willing to accept things now that I would have never accepted as a child. And don't forget, Jesus said, in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like a... Yeah. Maybe I just fell asleep. It's a simple analogy. Like I said, I'm not trying to condemn belly dancers out there for anybody who likes belly dancers. But it's the reality of my life. It's a story of my life I'll never forget. I will never forget the way I felt in that moment. So it says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. See, we got to wake up. The world has lulled us to sleep with its empty words, with its deceit. At times it gets us so far away from the truth of God's word that we look at the truth of God's word and we don't even feel like it's relevant in our own life. I can't tell you how many Christians in 20 years of ministry that I've heard tell me that. Some of the strongest men I know have told me that in difficult times in their life. So he continues, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because just like William was saying over the Lord's Supper just a little bit ago, because the days are evil. When he talks about that perverted generation, every generation of mankind has been perverted. There hasn't been one that hasn't. What mankind calls normal in a natural order of events is an excuse to be perverted. I hate to break it to everybody, but it's the truth. Because we have mixed up love with lust. And a lot of what we do that is bad we hide in the secret. And we keep it in the dark. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled 
with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want you to see that scripture in the context of the letter to Ephesus. He's saying, don't be of the world, be of God. Don't get caught up on the things that the world get caught up in. Be of God. Don't fill yourself up with the things the world fills themselves up with. Fill yourself up with God. Fill yourself up with the Spirit. Sing to one another. Why? Because singing is powerful, just like Steve was talking about uh, last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was. They all blend for me. Right? There's something powerful that happens in music. It can uplift you. It can stir your soul. Fill yourself with those things. How many of you have memorized scripture because of a song, not because you sat at a, at a table with your Bible and memorized the scripture? I know tons of scripture because of songs. Right? There's a, there's a movement that happens when we get together and we encourage each other. There's something that happens in our soul. In our inner person, in our innermost being, when we sing with one another. Stop filling yourself up with the world, fill yourself up with God. It says, Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, here we go. Here we go. Y'all know what comes next? Don't forget where he started in verse 21. If I need to, we'll come all the way back to verse 21. Submitting to one another out of what? Reverence for Christ. So, we come to one of the most unpopular verses to read at a wedding these days. I'm not kidding. I've done a lot of weddings since I've been here, and every time I read this part of the passage, people look at me like, you're reading that? Like, it's old school. It's old-fashioned. How could you ever read that at a modern-day wedding? Well, I don't think Scripture is old-fashioned or outdated, and I think God has already described exactly who we are and what we're supposed to be as partners to each other, so I'm going to read it. Now I'm going to explain it in a little bit more detail than you would get at a wedding, real quick, okay? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So, let me be clear. Is this scripture saying that man rules woman? No, I think that's exactly why so many women have a hard time with this scripture, because I think for a long, long, long time, men of the church used this to be a scripture that would tell their wives, I'm in charge. 
Let me ask you another question. When you follow Christ, right, in everything that you do, do you have to submit to God? Isn't there a lot about following Christ that is just naturally who you are, like, like you were built for it? Isn't there a lot about Christ that he didn't have to talk you into, you already agreed with? So when it says submitting, what does it mean? It means in those times, just like we've talked about in the past, where the Bible says something you wish it didn't say, what are you supposed to do? Go your own way or follow God? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, me and my wife, we look at things 50-50, so understand that as I'm saying all this. We've had very, very, very few times in our entire marriage where we've got to a point where we could not agree. One, because we're on the same path, going in the same direction. We want the same things for our family. We want the same things for our kids. I could imagine if I was yoked to an unbeliever, as the scripture says, right, that might come up a little bit more often, but it doesn't. We're on our same path. We're on our same way. We believe in the same things. We very rarely come to a place where we can't agree. But there are going to be those times. What do you do in those times? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Listen, if more men did that, if more men did that, this part of the scripture wouldn't be so scary. I'm, I told you this wasn't going to be the most popular sermon for me, right? If more men loved their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. If we as husbands loved our wives that way, why wouldn't they want to follow us? Isn't that why you follow Jesus? Isn't that exactly why you follow Jesus? In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, I've said all that, because it's important to talk about from the husband and wife perspective. But here's the thing. What were we talking about from the beginning? And what is Paul actually talking about more specifically right now? He says, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's what these scriptures are about. They're about Christ and the church. See, our relationship, our marriage the marriage between man and woman, the marriage between husband and wife is modeled to the relationship of Christ and the church. You are married to God. And when you marry him, the two become one. Why? Because his spirit comes and dwells in you. You're literally being, become, becoming part of God. 
part of the body of Christ. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. So let me just finish by saying this. Let me go back real quick. Because he starts off kind of where he ends. And I don't want you to miss this. In verse 21, is there anything indicating male or female? There's not, is there? It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that's talking about all of us. That's talking about the body of Christ submitting to one another because we're all trying to serve the same God. Right? We're all trying to follow in the footsteps of the same God. We're all trying to be imitators of the same God. But I'm going to finish by saying this. Whoops, went one too far. Respect is not something that's automatically given. Respect is something that you earn. See, we respect and we revere Christ because of what he did for us. Because we never doubt the love that he has for us. We never doubt that Christ has our best interests in mind. We never doubt that Christ would leave the 99 to come after me when I'm the one. Right? We never doubt that Christ like David, would beat the lion and the bear off of us with his hands, even without a weapon. He would go into battle for us. So here's the issue that we run into. And I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to be done really fast, okay? I'm going to run away before I get beat up on the way out the door. The world has played a trick on us. Okay? The world has played a trick on us, and they act like because God gave man and woman different roles that God doesn't think you're equal. That's the trick they play. Like all of a sudden, because you're a man, you're above a woman, because that's clear in Scripture, isn't it? God made man, he said it was good. God made woman and was like, probably a little bit better. Right? That's the old joke. Equality is not about having the same role. I was talking to my wife because I was trying to figure out how to say this just right, right? And you know my wife. She's not every woman. She's my wife. Okay? But my wife is the type of person, when we were in college, I would go off to soccer games, right? And when I would come back, there would be pots all over the kitchen. Because we lived in a college marriage dorm. If you've ever lived in a college marriage dorm at any of the Church of Christ schools, Spoiler alert, they're old, okay? They're the dorms that are about to be condemned. That's what they put all the married people in. And I would come home and I'd be like, what, is the, what, are, what are these pots all over the... F there was roaches under the pots. She couldn't kill them. So she would trap them and leave them for me. I asked her, I reminded her of that the other night, and I said, you want to switch roles? From now on, whenever there's a bug, I'll put a pot over it. You can come home and kill it. 
She's weird about this too. And like I said, my wife's not every woman. But we like fish tanks. We've always had a fish tank. If a fish dies in the fish tank, she will put it in the net, but she can't take it out of the water and throw it away. That's gross. Okay, let me give you another one. If someone were to break into our house in the middle of the night, I'm not going to wake her up and go, babe, go do something. That's not what she's going to expect, is it? Is that what you're going to expect? You're going to expect your husband to be like, I'm scared, go do something. You better get up. See, roles are not, they don't, that's not how we measure equality. God built us different on purpose to preserve different roles. I can tell you something a woman can do that man can never do, even though right now, as weird as the world is, they're trying to talk us into. There's not a man in this world that's ever going to give birth to a child. God gave you that role as women. And you know what? There's a lot of hard work that goes into that, and it messes up your body. They don't tell you that until after you have kids, right? But it does. There's also some really special things that happen between a mother and a child in the womb. A man never gets to experience. Does that mean God favors you over us? See, roles, different roles aren't equality. I'll give you one last example because my wife actually brought this up when we were talking about it. My wife, the CFO of Brunswick, is a man. He's her boss. When they come into a meeting, he's her boss. He actually has authority over her at her job. But when they discuss things amongst themselves about the business of the company, they're equals. So I just want you to understand that the world has played a dirty trick on the church to where all of a sudden we can't act like because one person's this sex and one person's this sex that we can't have different roles or else now all of a sudden there's no equality. That's not true. So let me just finish by saying this. God did the one thing that the world didn't see coming. He showed you the depth of his love through his sacrifice by laying down himself. He couldn't take his life, he laid it down. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? For there is no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Romans 5 takes it a step further and says, no, 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 you weren't God's friend. Actually, when God died for you, you were his enemy. That's how much God loved you. He went to the cross knowing that the gate was always going to remain wide that led to destruction, and the gate that was going to be narrow was the gate for the righteous. And that's why even though sometimes we read scripture and it's hard, 
We respect it. Because we respect God and what he's done for us. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood? Had your sins forgiven? Received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Been added to the kingdom of God? For those of us who have, I pray that we are, just the way we started, being imitators of God in all aspects of our life. If there's any need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate each of you being here this evening. Uh, before we close, I have just a few reminders. As you can tell from some of the decorations on the pulpit, we are having a Pack the Pulpit campaign this month to uh, restock our food pantry. Right now, we're serving over 100 people, every fa 100 families every two weeks. That takes a lot of food, so uh, if you can help continue that, please do so. 
The ladies' Bible class will have an end-of-the-year potluck luncheon this Wednesday at 11 a.m. All the ladies are invited. Reminder about some of our sick. Glenda Massey is in Cape Canaveral Hospital being treated for cellulitis in her legs. Pat Ortkees had surgery this past week and is in less pain. Uh, they hope to get her in a rehab center in Melbourne soon. Megan Duffy is being treated for, tach for tachycardia. Surgery is planned for May 31st at Holmes Heart Center. Betty Larner will have surgery on May 12th with radiation treatments after that. And Lloyd Dickerson will have back surgery this week as well. So please remember all of those as well as those on your uh, sick list in your bulletin in your prayers. Thank you. I heard an old, old story
Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for this time together when we as your people can gather. But now we're ready to go out and live our lives during the week. Let us be a beacon to you and help us live lives that benefit those around us, that they can see the difference you make in life. We pray through Jesus, 